How are you feeling? You good? How was your week? Everyone good? We had a, sometimes it's just nice to fill you in. I just had like a really good week. Um, You know, there's weeks that are like good and some weeks that are a little hard. It was just a good week. Uh, On Friday, my kids are in school now. So on Friday, um, after we took them to school, my wife and I, Rebecca, she's up here. And um, we just went to Ikea. And we walked around without kids for like at least two hours. And good Lord, I love my kids. Thank you, Jesus, for my kids. But there's just something about being free from kids for a couple hours. You know what I'm saying? And so we were just walking. Thank you. I love that. I love that hand clap. But it was just a sweet time. And so I don't know if anyone's praying for me and my house, my family. Um, It's working, whatever. So keep it up. I had a good week. Um, I hope you did too. Um, I'd like to open today with a scripture from Psalm 27. This is uh, kind of, kind of, sets the stage for our message for today, as we often do when I open this up. And this is uh, a psalm of David, and he and, uh, it just says this. It says, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the, temple, the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Verse 5, For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out rock, then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy and singing and praising the Lord with music. Just one more time, that verse four. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning, everyone. So glad to see you. Uh, We are on the third and final week of our focus for the next year, a focus that we believe God has given us to help grow our faith and our obedience uh, in his name. Does anyone remember what our focus is for this next year? It's on the screen. There you go. There you go. It's on the screen. Here we go. Following Jesus together. Three words that will come to define our steps, determine our sermons and our actions, and just about everything we do, again, moving forward in this next year. This is our mission, following Jesus together as a church. It's who we are and what we'll do. Why? Because this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be a church. This is what it means to be God's people, his family, his house. Jesus calls, we follow in all things at all times. We're following Jesus together. Amen? Amen. If anyone ever asks you at the park or at a party or at school or at work or over coffee, and they're like, hey, I know you like your church. What's it all about? What do you say? We're just following Jesus together in this place, okay? Like, it's good, it's good. We're just following Jesus together. There are no alternative missions, no other agendas. There's no picture-in-picture or secondary compartments to distract us. No, it's just Jesus. He calls us and we follow. Now, week two, this was last week, building on this mission, this introduction of following Jesus together, we asked the question, why? Why on earth did Jesus call us to follow him? He could have just rescued us from this place. He could have covertly defeated the power of sin and death and then teleported his people up into heaven, right? To escape the evil of this world. He could, but instead he says, follow. He doesn't just say believe. He says, follow me, be my apprentice. Do what I do like I do. Why would he do this? This was last week. It was to show the world what God is like. To show the world what God is like. This is our purpose on the role that we have in this mission that God has given us. We follow Jesus so we can show 
Jesus through the way we live and invite those around us, the lost in this world still living in darkness, so we can invite them into his glorious light. This is why we follow. This is our purpose to show the world Jesus in all things at all times. And this is where we've been the last two weeks. Now, as we, as we wrap up this focus introduction today, the question I'd like to answer and the question I'd like to park on for the rest of our, our time this morning is simply, to what, to what end? Question mark. Like, what is the dream here? What is the goal? Because while we confess that these things to be true, and they are true, we confess this is good news, that God loves us and saved us and called us to represent him out in the world, the question we need to address is, where is this narrow road that Jesus is leading us down? Where is it going? Where's the end? Where are we going as we follow Jesus together? And that's where I want to park. And so if you're writing, taking notes, just write down that question. Where are we going? Question mark. Where are we going? Now, before we get there, I just, uh, it's been a full day. It's been a good day, but a full day. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to pray and ask that God would just communicate and speak clearly in this house. So let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your goodness. We believe that you're real, that you're good, that you love us and you lead to peace, we ask that in this moment you would just speak loudly through the scriptures. God, that you would just multiply my efforts from this past week as I, as I do my best to try to communicate your word. God, I ask that you would just give us ears to listen, give us hearts to receive. God, we know that you're here. God, make us more aware of your presence. God, we know that you are moving in this place and that you, where two or more are gathered, like there you are also. And so, God, we claim that today, and we know that you want to speak, and you want to lead us as, you follow, as we follow Jesus together. So, God, just, again, just be with us today. Soften our hearts. Open our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so the question at hand, where are we going? Well, the simple answer to where we are going is we are going wherever Jesus is leading. I know that that is, you just answered your own question. But listen, where is Jesus leading? That is what we're talking about. Well, that's where things get a little interesting and really, really encouraging. Because believe it or not, Jesus actually has a very specific destination for us and for the world around us, for all of creation that he's leading us toward. God has a destination. God has a dream for the world and his people and there are a number of layers to it, and we're going to get to them today and really over the course of this next year. Um, but the overarching vision, the overarching destination that God has for us from 30,000 feet above looking down is found in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And starting in verse 19, check this out. It'll be on the screen. It, it, it's essentially leading up to it, essentially. Because Jesus called you, because Jesus saved you, because of the work of Jesus on the cross, verse 19, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him. This is it right here. If you have your Bibles, underline this if you feel comfortable. Otherwise, just take this down. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And this is the dream. 
This is the vision that God has for the world. It's family. It's a household of faith. And I love how the message, the message is like a paraphrase of the Bible. I love how they write this and starting in verse 19 and how they describe the vision. It says this, it's on the screen. God is building a home. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all parts together. And this is it. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. And y'all, this is where God's mission is going. We're going home. We are going home as his house, as his household, as his people. As his church, his redeemed followers that he now calls family, again, because of the saving work of Jesus on the cross. And this is the vision God has for the world, that we would be his house. Brick by brick, day after day, becoming this temple for the Lord. It's a preferred future we see echoed all throughout the Bible from Genesis 3 all the way to, to Revelation chapter 21, but it's specifically embraced, I would say, in our opening scripture from the Psalms, right? This vision that David said that must also be true of us. One more time, it'll be on the screen. It says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in where? His temple, right? Ephesians 2, here we go, a holy temple built by God, all of us, being built into it, a place where God is quite at home. Friends, this is the dream. And everything God has done up until this moment has been focused toward this end, this vision for the world. Jesus says, follow me. Y'all, we are following Jesus together because God wants us to be found in his house all the days of our lives and into eternity. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you know or you don't. God loves you and wants you, along with all of humanity, the prize of his creation. God wants all of humanity to come home to be his household of faith. And this is ultimately where Jesus is leading when he says, follow me. To a, to a home where the door is always open and the table is always set so the lost can be found and the found can be free. This is the dream. So the lost can be found. Luke 19 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save who? The lost. So the lost can be found and the found can be free. Galatians 5 uh, and 2 Corinthians 3 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You, my brothers and sisters, were called by Jesus to be free. For the Lord is the Spirit and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And this is God's end game for the world. And Gavin, do you want to throw that up on the screen real quick? Next one. Beautiful. More than any achievement, more than any attendance, more than any behavior or system or politic or borders on a map, it's simply that lost people would be found in his love. And found people would live free through his spirit as they dwell in his house, as his house forever. So this is ultimately, friends, uh, where, where we're going. 
This is where the, the road is taking us because this is where Jesus is leading. And Jesus, he actually breaks down this vision where the lost can be found and the found can be free. He, he, he breaks down this vision and this future reality in what might be the most famous story or parable that he shares in Luke chapter 15. And we've actually heard, we've heard a lot of this story already today in worship and in our hosting times. Um, but it's one that shows God's heart for the world and also for his people. But our role as the church is also included within this story. So again, Luke 15, and it's a fair amount of Bible, but you're at church and I gotcha. And I'll see if you walk out, okay? And you already had your brownies to keep you going, but this is a story, um, this is a story that, that really becomes the vision moving forward. And so it says this starting in verse one. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And I want you to pay attention to that first verse. It's usually just passed right over for the good stuff. But listen, it's really important for you to understand that the world wants to know what's true. That the world wants to know the good news that comes with Jesus. It does. And we see it right here. The tax collectors and sinners, they came to hear what was true. And that is still true for today. The world around us needs to know what is real. Verse 2. This reality made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, or the really churchy religious folks in the first century, it made them complain uh, that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. So Jesus told them a story. And he actually told them three stories. The first one, uh, to help kind of reveal the Father's heart and his heart for the kingdom of God, this vision for the future, um, he talks first about a lost sheep and how God would leave the 99 for one, right? Then he talks about a lost coin. And then he talks about the lost son, the prodigal son. And he says this in verse 11. He said, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed out all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything out in the world, outside of the home. No one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as your hired servant. Verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love, ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, this, this rehearsed line, right? He was in the fields thinking, what can I do to just get back in the house? And he's here, and the father runs to him, and he's ready to run out this like rehearsed script he had in place, and he said, he said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son, but his father, servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. 
get a ring for his finger. A ring would have been a, a, a ring of family, the family ring. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine ah, was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I love this phrase here. So the party began. Isn't that amazing? That, that Jesus would include that in the parable. So the party began. Meanwhile, second half of the story, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother, though, he was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Verse 30. Yet when your son, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, Look to your son. You've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has now come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. He was lost. He's found. This is the word of the Lord. All right, what did we see? First, as we approach this big section of Scripture here, I need you to remember to view this story through the lens of God's vision for the world, okay? That he is building a home where the lost can be found and the found can be free. It is for freedom that Christ called you and set you free, where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. So as we approach the story, I just need you to remember to look at it through this lens. Now, what did we see? All right, first we see two sons. And I'm sure that many of you have already heard this story, but we see two sons. One is lost, and one is found. One asks for his share of the family and basically emancipates from the house to go and make his own way, doing things on his own terms. The other sticks around and is faithful to his father, the family culture, the family values, the house rules. He sticks around, right? And, and so it's pretty clear at the onset of the story which son, you know, based on behavior, is the good one, right? It's pretty clear which one is the good one. But what happens? Well, we see that the first son, after a season of living it up, he eventually choose, you know, comes to his senses after he discovers that the life that he pursued, the life that he chose, only left him empty and always wanting more, lost in this world. And so in a moment of repentance, he, he returns to his father's house. He's rehearsed. He's scripted. And he is ready and willing to beg his dad to be a servant in the household. It's important for you to remember that he wasn't asking to be called son again. He wasn't asking to be family. He wasn't asking to be welcomed. He was asking to serve the people that were welcomed. This was the plan. As he approached that house. It says this in verse 20, that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And y'all, this verse crushes me. I'm already tearing up a little bit again because it shows so clearly the heart of, the, uh, of our good father in heaven. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Why? Was dad unloading the groceries from the car and he randomly sees his kid approaching? No, his father saw him coming because he was waiting. 
The father was waiting and watching and anticipating his return. Why? Because the father loves the son. The father misses his son and wants him to come back home. And I don't know who needs to hear that in the house today. But listen, it doesn't matter how far you walked away from God. It doesn't matter how far down that road you've found yourself chasing your own hopes and dreams. The Father is watching and waiting. We just sang it. The Father is welcoming. This is our homecoming, right? And why? Why is the Father waiting and watching? Is it to make you feel bad? Is it to punish you? To make you work off your failures as a slave in the house? No, he wants to welcome you as a son, as a daughter. God wants to welcome you as family, as house. And in this story, it's amazing. It says, before you even say a word, the Father's heart and mind are already speaking. Verse 22, and he sang quick, with an exclamation point. Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house, a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Let's kill the calf! Let the party begin! It's my son who is dead is now alive. He was lost, but now he is found. And friends, this is, I would say, this is half of God's vision for the world. This is half. This is half of the end for God's vision for the world, the world he so loves that he sent in one his, own, his one and only son to save. Jesus came so the lost might be found, so we might have eternal life as his household. This is why Jesus says, follow me, because he wants to lead all of humanity back to the Father. All of humanity back to the Father. The Father is welcoming. This is our taking notes, you can draw a thick line and just say, God wants the lost to be found and welcomed home. But then what? So that's the first half, okay? Pay attention to you guys now instead. What's the other half of the vision that God has for the world? Well, we see it in Galatians 5, verse 13, Paul says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called by Jesus to be free. You were called to be Paul's like, you were saved from more than a life of just getting by. You were saved from more than just behavior modification. You were found by Jesus to live free by his spirit, to never return again to your old life of wandering aimlessly in the dark. You're following Jesus now on this narrow road, and you were called to live free as family, as family, just like David, to dwell in the house of the Lord. It's incredible. What a gift. What amazing news, right? And this really is the gospel. This is, this is the good news of why Jesus came. Still, I would say if you're anything like me, um, and you've already learned this about me, it can be, it can be kind of challenging to step into a new thing, right? Anybody? Yes, of course, everyone. Um, it can be hard to actually live free in God's house. We have all of this history begging for our attention. It can be so hard to remember what's possible and what's expected and that we actually belong in the house. Anybody else? Anyone else have a hard time living free sometimes? Everyone is afraid to raise their hand. I appreciate that. I'll take that as a, take it as a yes. It's hard to live free. It reminds me of this moment. Um, it was the summer after I went back to college. I was in Minnesota. I was probably 24 years old and 
my seasonal job working at a photography studio back in Wisconsin, it fell through and I had no prospects and I had no idea what to do. I felt super lost. I, I, I didn't know what to do. And so I called my uncle who lived in the suburbs of Minneapolis and I said, I said, you know, I just don't know what to do. And he says, hey, come and live with us. We got a room for you. And so I was like, thank you. This is amazing. I, I make my way back to the cities in my forest green 1998 Ford Windstar. Anyone else ever have a Ford Windstar? Forest Green, it's coming back, y'all. I'm serious, it's coming back. And I pull up in front of the house. I, I walk up to the drive, uh, and he's waiting there with an open door. It's my uncle, and he gives me a hug, and he shows me to my room, and he hands me a key and says, David, make yourself at home. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, th thank you. It was such a gift. But I soon realized I didn't know how to be home there. I don't know if anyone's ever been in a situation like this, but I, I didn't know how to be home there. I didn't know what food I could eat. I didn't know if I needed to do my own laundry. I didn't know if there was a chore chart or if we just take care of our own mess. I didn't know, I didn't know if there was family dinners twice a week or where to park my car. And even though I was free, right, and I was found there, I, was, I, I didn't know how to live there, and it was super obvious. And so much so that at the end of the first week, my uncle, bless his heart, he sits me down and he's just like, hey, David, listen, <laughs> I love you, man, but we got to talk about house rules. We got to talk about how we live here. We got to talk about how we live in this house. And I was so glad, honestly, because I had no idea. I had no idea. I was welcomed. I had a place to call home and I was found there, but I didn't know how to live like family. I didn't know how to live free. And that's, friends, that's, a, that's exactly what we see in the second half of the story with the son. The second son, the good son, we were objective. He had a place in the house, right? He was with the father. He had rights. He had the ring. He had an inheritance and a position. Everything that was the father's was his. The second son was set. But even with his position, he forgot how to live like family because he lost sight of the Father's heart and what it meant to be in the Father's house. I'm just gonna read this one more time to let it sink in, starting in verse 25. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. Verse 28, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. Another beautiful description of the father's heart, right? Always begging his people to come back. Verse 29, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. It's like, what is going on in this house? Verse 31 says, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Friends, I need you to see that the older brother, he was not lost, but he also wasn't free. He was somewhere in between. And if you remember back to when Jesus actually started this conversation, he's actually speaking to, to a religious community that was not lost. But again, they certainly weren't free. They were somewhere 
somewhere in between. And while so much of the second son and, and even the, the religious leaders that were being critical to Jesus, um, their, their reaction makes a ton of sense in our polarized world of fairness. In the Father's house, though, it, it couldn't be further from the truth because the heart of God is not one of equal opportunity. Now, our God is a God of outrageous grace and love from which there is no lack. Heaven is not a zero-sum game. If, if one gets in, it doesn't limit the next. There is always more mercy to go around, which means that our Father's house, where Jesus is leading us, is one where lost will always be welcome home. It's one where the lost will always be welcome home. But, second half, there's also an expectation for the found, for the people that are already found in his love. The expectation is that they would live like his family, that they would live free in the freedom that Christ called us to. Because this is the life we were saved for as we follow Jesus. We are here to show the world what God is like so the lost can be found. And so the found might live in the freedom we've been saved for. It's both and, right? On our communion graphic, there's the little table with the bread and the cup, and on the sides it says, it says, the door is always open for the lost. And the table of freedom is always set for the found in God's vision for the world. And so this will be our vision. This will be our focus as we follow Jesus together. And you can see it actually, yeah, I have one of these things. You can see it on, on the back of our cards here. It says, welcome to Highlands on the back. It says, our mission, following Jesus together to show the world what God is like so the lost can be found and the found can be free. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is where we're going. And as we do, as we step into this new way, starting next week for the, for the rest of the fall, we'll be, we'll be digging into the book of Colossians, start to finish, for how we can best walk the narrow road of showing the world what God is like. And so I just want to encourage you, the last couple weeks have been really like, 30,000 feet looking down. What are we going to do? Who are we going to be? How's it going to get there? Whatever. Um, but starting next week, it's going to be far more sea level, boots on the ground. This is what's happening and how we follow Jesus as we go through low and slow the book of Colossians. So come early, come often. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be an incredible time for us. Amen. All right. Before we go today, though, um, I just want to give you one more thing that I, let me just say one more thing as it applies to us as God's free people, followers of Jesus, Christians, God's house. Um, one more thing is it applies to us moving forward, and I hope it makes sense. I also hope it's encouraging to you, as we all have friends and family that are far from God. The last statistics that we read earlier in the summer was that 93% of L.A. County has no connection to Jesus at all. That's like, L.A. County, that's like 10 million people. 93% have no connection to Jesus at all. And so it's important to remember a few things. It's important to remember that if no one is too lost to be found in God's house, then no one is too lost to be found here. And sometimes that's a challenge because people come carrying all sorts of stuff with all sorts of history. But if the Father is welcoming all of a creation home, then so must we. And y'all, we gotta be ready. We gotta be ready and willing to be a church of free people for lost people. 
Why? Because we've all been lost. Some of us still might be. I mean, this life of faith, this journey, it's a journey that we're called into. And so I need you to remember that there is no one qualified to work as a bouncer at the doors of the church to keep the sinners out. If there was, friends, we'd have an empty church because we're all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God and his house rules. We've all lost focus along the way. And so, so we need to remember where we started. This is one of our values, our leadership values as a church. Remember where you started. We need to remember where God met us. And, and I don't know about you, but the more I remember where I've been and all the ways I've disappointed God, the more grateful I am to be free. I'm also more compassionate and understanding when I meet people that have yet to know good news. We must remember that while we aren't where we started, we did start somewhere, right? And regardless of where our starting point was, Jesus still saw us as he called us so we might see what God is like. So as we go, I need you to remember that we need to remember where we started. We also need to remember that the world is filled with lost people. The world is filled with lost people that Jesus wants to be found in his love and free by his spirit. But again, let me clue you in. Most of the people don't even know they're lost until it's revealed to them. Most people don't know they're lost until it's too late. Uh, sorry, quick story. A few years ago, illustrate the point. Um, I was traveling through Europe, and I was on my way to Sweden, and we had a layover in Amsterdam. Some of my, my friends that I was traveling with said, hey, we got some time to, to wait. Let's, uh, let's just go explore the city. Let's get a good coffee, hop on the train, and just like, you know, see Amsterdam. And so we're like, cool, and we check our bags. We hop on the train, we settle in, and, and start catching up on emails or whatever. And, and we're talking, we're having a blast, we're looking out the windows, at the serene, like, windmills everywhere. It was wild. When probably 20 minutes in, someone says, guys, shouldn't we be there by now? And I was, I was just kind of existing in this serene moment of the Dutch landscape, right? But sure enough, I looked around, and there was no sign of a giant city anywhere. And Amsterdam is a pretty big city, so we got off at the next train stop, and I asked the nice Dutch gate agent, I said, so it's probably clear we're not from around here. <laughs> and, and I said, uh, we're looking for the city. And he said something like, oh, it's back the way you came. Turn around. Take the train back to where you started. And listen, we had no clue, right? Turns out we were on the right track. We were even on the right train, but we were going the wrong direction. We didn't have our eyes focused on the right destination, so we went the wrong direction. Right track, wrong direction, because we had no clue, uh, but we had no clue until it was revealed to us. And this, and again, I, I know it's a simple illustration, but, but y'all, this is the vast majority of the world. Most people don't know they're lost. 93% of, of people in our city, our schools, our neighborhoods, our workplace, the freeway, and our families have yet to be found by Jesus. And we've all been there, we've all been lost. We've all been on a train going the wrong direction. And so it's important that we remember that as found people, it's up to us to now help show the way. It's up to us to help show the way to Jesus. It's not our job to save them. It's not our job to judge them or condemn them. It's simply our privilege to humbly point them to the Savior who is Jesus. To live free as his, as, as his people by his spirit and to make the introduction. And so that's it. We need to remember where we started, and we need to remember that there are so many people riding a train in the wrong direction that just need, just need a little encouragement to turn around. 
And so that's it. In the next year, I believe God is going to bring many people from our city through these doors. Just like we read in the beginning of Luke 15, the world wants to know Jesus. They just don't know it yet. And so I have to believe that God will bring many in, uh, from our city through these doors. And, and they are a people to be loved. They are a people to be called and shown a better way. And so get ready. Because y'all, if, if Jesus did it for you, he can do it for them. God can do it for them. He will. Amen. So the best is yet to come. It's just the beginning. And I could keep yapping about this for days, but we got to go hit the road, right? So um, I love you. I'm so grateful to be a church following Jesus together. A church that's focused on showing the world what God is like in ways only we can. So the lost can be found. And the found can live free. Pray with me as we go. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this unbelievable encouragement, God, that the, that the door is always open and the table is always set, God, that your family is no longer determined by bloodline, but by the blood of Jesus on the cross, God. We are so grateful that you call us, that you love us, and you welcome us home. God, let us be a church that welcomes the lost. God, let us be a church that seeks the lost to welcome them into a new life. And God, let us be a people that are found, that live free by your spirit. God, that, that obey the house rules, that step into the, the culture of heaven in our, in our everyday lives. God, we love you and we thank you and we're so grateful. And so God, give us the courage to, to stay for this next year. God, as we follow you together. So Jesus, again, it's, it's all for you. We love you and we thank you. And we're so grateful to follow you wherever you go. So it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray and we, we give and we sing and we, and we hang out and we go from here. It's in your name, the name that is above all names, and we all said, Amen.